Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, and I'm originally from California, but now living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is... Bebe. Hi, this is Bebe from Beijing. And we also have Morris on the show again. He is our Hong Konger friend who's also lived in England and now lives in Beijing, traveled everywhere and has worked for some of the biggest names in business around the world. Welcome to the show again, Morris. Hi, everybody. Uh, glad to be on again. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. So amazingly, all the same facilities are going to be used again for the Beijing Winter Paralympics starting March 4th. 736 athletes will complete 7% of the world's disabled people live in China, which was really important why this is going to happen there using a lot of the same facilities. There'll be 39 medal events for men, 35 for women, and International Paralympic Committee President Andrew Parsons said it will be a benchmark for future Paralympic Winter Games. So I'm excited to see that these facilities will be used again, in addition to the fact that they were already used a third time, 2008, 2022 Winter Olympics, and now the Paralympics. Well, we, I wanted to start with uh, how to raise an Olympic athlete. You know, is it healthy? Is it a good idea to force your children into like playing a sport with the intention when they're very young of turning them, them into a super athlete? But we, for our listeners who don't know, just before the show, Bebe said she went skiing. Well, I, I we took our daughter skiing. Um, so her dad skied with her kind of, that's her first time skiing. Mm. Um, and I was kind of like down at the bottom and just, you know, when she comes down, I help Aww. her with this and that, but, um, it's okay because I, I do not like to move. <laughs> and <laughs> for our listeners <laughs> who have been listening to our show, I'm fine staying still. I, I think it's part of, uh, partly it has to do with the uh, winter Olympics. And I think it really, mm, mm, what's mm. the word, ignited something? Yeah. Like it lit up um, an idea, a passion in a lot of people who never considered trying winter sports. You know, because I think winter mm -hmm. sports, I think they're popular in north, uh, eastern part of China, like where it's cold, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Northern part yeah. of China. But for the rest of the country, it's like, you know, it's way back in our minds. And for maybe for a lot of people, it's just <laughs> never surfaced in their minds. And now it's mm. like, you know, right in front of you, right in your face. And also we're seeing, um, you know, young people, 17, 18, the new generation of Chinese kids mm. winning gold medals, mm -hmm. flying in the mm. air. And it's a possibility um, for more kids, right? To become star athletes mm. and to just enjoy sports. So it's like all of a sudden, wow, this is an option. And it's a great option. And then, of course, you know, later on, I can talk about besides um, the inspiration from Winter Olympics uh, mm -hmm. per, for personal reasons, why we took her skiing and all that. But I want to, you know, let Morris talk. Are you making are you are you planning on making an Olympic athlete? Uh, no. You know why? <laughs> because, um, first of all, to to quote unquote support and um, 
raise an uh, Olympic athlete, it takes so much devotion from parents, from family. Mm. And mm. I have my mm. own thing to do. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, my daughter. <laughs> I know you're very busy, but not moving. <laughs> I, I don't like to move. <laughs> you went skiing recently, too. Where did you go? No, I, 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 didn't, I myself didn't go. I was busy uh. that day. But the last Thursday, my wife uh, took my boy to uh, a, a, a ski resort within Beijing mm. out in the sticks. Um, mm. And they, they had a good time. Uh, Mm. I have only tried skiing once uh, back in Christmas 2019, so I'm very much mm. a beginner. Yeah, mm. but uh, that was 2019 was also the first time my, my, my boy has any experience skiing. Mm -hmm. But apparently, despite, you know, two years and a bit of not having touched any skis or anything like that, uh, apparently he still remembers a lot. And uh, mm. after five hours on on thursday he's telling his mom that next time they go mm -hmm. <laughs> he is uh, ready for the uh the, the next one up from the beginner slope so mm. <clears throat> yeah yeah he it's amazing he, he seems to really like it yeah it's uh, i'm telling you it's amazing how kids how fast they learn especially at the beginning like uh last night that was the first time my daughter skied and, um, you know, her dad taught her a little bit about how to fall correctly, how to get up. Mm -hmm. And then they went on the, you know, the uh, uh, lower slope and they tried mm -hmm. it for like maybe 10, eight, 10 times. And then she was ready mm. for the uh, for the big one, not the highest one, but for the wow. big ones where most people skied. And um, and then, you know, she ran down that for like another eight, maybe nine times. And then by the time mm. toward the end. She was like, you know, okay, I'm ready for the Olympics. <laughs> she, she's seven and she's so filled with confidence and just so out of touch with reality. But I guess it's a good thing, right, for people that age to have confidence. She was like, I'm pretty good. I'm ready. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you do have a potential Olympic athlete uh, in your family after oh, all. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, you know, well, actually, yeah. Speaking about what Morris is talking mm -hmm. about, the article that I read in preparation for this is uh, it's on cbc.ca.news. It's called, Is It Healthy for Children to be Forced into Pursue uh, a Career in Sport? And in that uh, article, it talks mm -hmm. about there's a little girl and her mom, and they just liked goofing off uh, her name was emma and she was goofing off with her her daughter in the backyard they just made like an ice rink using water and stuff and it was like really tiny and it was just something they did for fun and then this was this was years and years ago and then her daughter ended up growing up and entering into the olympics so maybe you know you know baby you think oh she's just having fun skiing but maybe you've set off you know, uh, a domino and a series of dominoes that's going to lead to something else. But, you know, I think it takes courage from the parent, from parents. And for us, Jason, we were talking mm. about this the other day. Yeah, yeah, for parents yeah. like us who want to like bubble wrap our kids, mm -hmm. we we don't have the um, psychological, uh, what's the word, <laughs> like, courage yeah. for our kids to do anything close to what the uh, Olympians do in mm -hmm. air, like flipping mm -hmm. and just falling. It, I, I think my heart would just, you know, explode. <laughs> so it doesn't just take dedication, but also courage. I mean, you yeah. know, the the um, uh, the young gold medalist, Sui Ming, mm. yeah. Sui Ming the, the guy who, you know, he, he's a snowboarding yeah, yeah. Uh, gold medalist. Yes. I saw this interview 
uh, of his family. Because you see them on stage and, you know, getting the medal mm. and their greatest shots, but you don't see as much about, you know, what the family actually have to go yeah. through. They, when they interviewed his grandparents, um, his grandpa was, you know, practically in tears, like with tears in his eyes. <laughs> because, you know, there were times when he was injured. And one time I think he fainted mm. after falling. And the grandpa was saying, I, I was t- like, all, I almost fainted myself. And yeah. we wish that he wouldn't do such things because he was actually a, a child star. Like, in, he acted mm. in movies. And the grandma was saying, her gra- his grandma was saying, you know, he could have gone th- down that path, which you know, is also a, a great choice when it comes to uh, fame and wealth. But he chose the other one, like sports. Yeah. And probably they, they, you know, wouldn't rest as well <laughs> in sleep. <laughs> Because he's just yeah. fame and wealth, and he could still of, become of course, a movie star fame. after getting. His- I mean, even if he does, <laughs> he even if he doesn't yes. become a movie star, he, I'm sure he gets sponsorships from like different companies to like drink oh, yeah, their definitely. products and commercials and stuff. I'm sure he's 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 taken care of. He's, you know, he's just uh, it's just it's so uh, dangerous. You know, there uh, ample chances for injuries and all that. And as parents yeah, and grandparents, yeah. like I know, I can't go over that hurdle. So, Mm. yeah, it takes a lot of courage and dedication from the parents. I imagine it's quite, you know, I think in my imagination is is (laughs) tells me a lot of parents think they set out and they're like, okay, my daughter is going to be the ice rink skating champion, you know, in 20 in whatever, how many 15 years, I guess a lot of these people are teenagers like 15 to 18 years mm-hmm. old. There's so many very young people in the Olympics from watching the Olympics. I just imagine that a lot of the parents, they do it deliberately. They spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They get the right coaches. They, they, they focus. They, you know, what I, I guess the question is Morris, you, you tried to teach your son guitar and he was interested in playing guitar, right? Yeah. But then at some point he stopped being interested. How did you deal with that as a father? Well, it was, difficult because my son has uh, a tendency to get into something with a lot of passion and then he he never perseveres yeah and i think particularly if you're talking about sports at at the, the top level mm-hmm. right like a potential olympic uh, athlete i think uh, obviously talents and and other objective factors are are, are key but then at the end of the day, even if everything else aligns, is is the per- perseverance and yeah. the hard they work that that will make it happen. So if you you know the that article you just mentioned, if the title is "Is it all right to force your kids?" <laughs> in, then it, it's obviously not all right, right if you yeah. put it that way, right? But then again, kids being what they are, if they show a genuine interest and they enjoy mm-hmm. it once in a while they get lazy maybe mm-hmm. they could do a bit of you know encouragement yeah mm-hmm. so I, I i i i really don't think you can force someone to become an, an olympic athlete i mean yeah i think that the article is set up that way force so let's ask baby you ever think of something you want your daughter <laughs> to be interested in and then you, what kind of tactics or strategies do you use to cultivate her interest in that topic does that work or does that not work oh, it's uh it's difficult i mean i would love for her to learn to play the piano and we got you know mm. uh, teachers and lessons um but for both sports and uh musical instruments 
Mm. Uh, especially for musical instruments, the beginning phase is the hardest, one、yeah. of the hardest, I would say, because it's pretty boring at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kids, seriously, like when we say let's go try skiing, in her mind, she has the image of someone like the the, the gold medalist, yeah, just gliding down the slope、mm. and flying there. That's what her impression of skiing was.、Mm. Now the reality, of course, is a little different. You know, she she put on the skis he could barely walk, and when when, when she was thinking about you know asking her opinion about oh do you want to play the piano, she had the image of someone just performing you know on yeah, stage. Yeah. That's her conception of being able、mm. to play the piano. And it turns out that it's just like do re mi for like <laughs> months on end. Yeah, and then yeah. she lost interest. Like it's it, that you know it, that's not her idea of playing. So sometimes、mm. I think maybe kids know too much now. Like they have such high expectations. <laughs> um, but I think when it comes to using force, it it will work in the short term.、Mm. But if your goal is for your child to become a professional. Forcing your child to do that does not work well in the long term,、mm-hmm. and for someone to reach that kind of level, first of all, I think it takes personality.、Yep. Mm-hmm. Like you need to be,、um, you need to have the type A personality. Like you want it. I want to be the best.、Mm-hmm. If you don't want to be the the best, I don't think you would have that much energy and you know to have so much dedication to something. Like my personality, I'm not going to be the top in anything because I'm okay. Like I want, I just want to be happy. I don't want my life to be difficult, you know. And I don't think it's good or bad. It's just different choices, right?、Mm. I, I, I want to live a long life and in peace, and and that's not. Um, you you're not going to get a lot of peace, you know. Yeah, going for the gold medal. So it depends.、Um, but I, I read the article you shared, and I think it takes a lot of、um, uh, love and passion、yeah. by the from the athlete himself. And、uh, I think if you've、uh, watched a lot of the interviews、um, for both Eileen Gu Guailing、yeah. and also Sui Ming,、mm-hmm. you know these are the new generation of a、uh, young generation of、um, uh, Olympic、uh, gold medalists.、Yeah. And you notice something very different. She's very、This、happy.、Generation. She seems so well adjusted. Right, they are both happy. They do this because they absolutely love this.、Sport. Love it. Yeah. They do it for the enjoyment and for the self fulfillment, and also for being the best in something. They do it for all of these、yeah. reasons. I mean, I saw an interview of Sui Ming. He just turned eighteen,、mm-hmm. and when he, you know, when he was interviewed about、uh, practicing or competing at Shougang. You know that's the、mm-hmm. venue in which、mm-hmm. uh, they they did a competition, and he talked about how beautiful the venue was.、Mm. You know, for them, it's a it's a more full fuller experience.、Mm. They weren't just going for the gold medal; they were doing it for、uh, fulfilling the experience in many dimensions.、Mm-hmm. And that's something rather different from、uh, a lot of the older generations of Chinese athletes,、mm-hmm. because for them, I think.、Um, They were more probably more focused on goal goal driven. Yeah. Right. And this new generation, because they grew up in wealth and comfort, right? They're not literally they're not only doing this for the fame and money.、Mm-hmm. So,、um, and their parents give them so much support,、mm-hmm. and that's、um, I think that's something very.、Uh, it's different. It's energizing. You see 
in them the love for this whole experience. I mean, I think you're right. I think, you know, in, in the story that we, we both read, I think the the little girl, instead of being forced to do anything, she just, the, her mom ended up like building really positive memories of this sport for the, the daughter because she just wanted to play. Mm. So I think maybe mm-hmm. that had something to do with it. Also, I think that there's a misconception in America about like, you know, in, in, in America, a lot of the elite athletes, uh, some of them, I should say, some of the elite athletes are raised by very wealthy people. So these wealthy people have the means at their disposal to make sure that their kids have the best teachers. And the and, and mm. so there's this idea that this athletes are forced somehow, you know, that there's a lot of pressure on them to compete and things. I think there's a, a misconception along among a lot of American people that maybe Russian and Chinese athletes are like, Raised from be, being like three years old and just told, OK, you are going to grow up and be a skier or you're going to grow up and be a skater. Mm. And that there's a misconception that there's a lot of like uh, added pressure when, in fact, what you're saying, I think, is really true. It's just really a, lo- a lot of love for these kinds of sports mm-hmm. and, and things. And also it depends on the sport. Right? Winter sports, they cost money. Mm. It, it's all it's nearly impossible, I think, for someone from a poor family. Yeah. To get the training. I mean, last night, uh, I think the one we went, the ski place we went, it wasn't much of a resort. It was just like slopes. (laughs) It definitely wasn't fancy, but it's very close to us. And I think it came out, we had to rent stuff and it came out maybe to be 300 per person. Wow. Um, I mean, that's like, it's, it's, it's for, for, for how many hours? We went, we went late. So we started at 430. And so that's considered nighttime skiing and there is no time limit. But during the day, I think oh, it's okay. during the day, the, the ticket for getting in is 20. So, you know, I went there and I stood there. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I paid 20 for the whole experience. <laughs> but uh, my daughter and her father, they um, they paid probably like 140 for tickets and then maybe similar amount for all the other equipment. During the daytime, you can that like two hours, two to three hours. Mm. So, I mean, if you have to go uh, right. a couple couple days a week yeah um for a normal family you know that's um that's a bit much Mm. but other sports they're they're cheaper sports (laughs) so more affordable i should say oh yeah they're much cheaper Mm. sport but back to the the original question i i really don't think you can force someone to become a top level athlete Mm. because Mm. you know not being any kind of athlete myself uh, I, I do know that it takes a lot of hard work and dedication. And if the child it, it's not really interested in that sport and doesn't have a passion for it, I, you know, despite them, say, take basketball, for example, mm-hmm. even if he's very tall, I, I, I don't think that without the passion mm-hmm. and and the enjoyment of the sport itself, they could become top-level athletes. Mm-hmm. Or put it another way, if you have two two people with the same, you know, physique or whatever for that's suitable for a particular sport, I, I suspect the one with the passion and the dedication will always be a better athlete. Well, we can can we can we think about it maybe we can think about it this way. Two situations. Okay, let's say if I'm a, I'm the kid, okay, and I have two uh choices. One side of the choice is my parents force me to do something, right? And if I don't do it, maybe I'll get yelled at, right? Maybe I'll get scolded <laughs> and, uh, or, you know, spanked, okay? And on the other side of my other choice is all the hard work and stress 
and training and possible injuries from actually doing the sport. What is worse? Mm -hmm. I think if, if it's my choice, I think it's better to just, you know, get spanked <laughs> for for a period of time and that's, that get this thing over with after a few months when your parents realize that you don't want to do this because it's much harder to go through the other the other mm -hmm. uh, the other choice, right? If we go mm. back to Morris's uh, discussion about basketball really quickly. In America, a lot of people in um, you know, low-income neighborhoods end up going into sports like basketball specifically because they're motivated to uplift themselves economically out of those kinds of neighborhoods. And so a lot of professional basketball players and other kinds of athletes are extremely successful because not because their motivation is because they necessarily love basketball, although I'm sure that's part of like the equation that developed at some point, but it's also because they want to take their family out of this neighborhood and these sports can not even if you're not even going to the NBA you're not going to the professional level they can get you into a really great college with a great scholarship and so I think there are like mm. thousands of people examples around America where their motivation came from it was intrinsic like what we're talking about extrinsic would be where it's being forced intrinsic not necessarily just because of the love of the sport but it's intrinsic because it's the desire to improve one's situation mm. yeah I, I I agree that that's certainly a, a great motivation and and i suspect back in the day you know when china was still generally very poor that that probably was uh, part of the motivation for a lot of chinese athletes mm. my point is still that if you have two guys or, or two girls with the same motivation same background same motivation to get their family give their family a better life and one enjoys and genuinely love the sport and the other one just does it to get the family out of poverty i suspect the one with the genuine love for the sport will always come out as a as a better mm. athlete that that's all well, the I'm experience saying. yeah all things all other things being the experience would be better yeah yeah because mm. Mm. yeah from the limited amount that i've seen to to train a a, a child athlete uh it it is really hard work mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. one of my neighbors yeah her her daughter is kind of in the uh, the the city level of of competitiveness in terms of mm -hmm. tennis mm -hmm. yeah oh. and uh jason jason might have actually seen this little girl i still remember when she every was, single night she goes out and practices for at least an hour mm. every night yep and regularly when she was like 5 6 years old we would see her crying on the court but uh, she's in her in her early teens now, and and she's doing very well, and and she obviously enjoys it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I I don't think I think parental pressure could only go so far, and then mm -hmm. to to really reach that top level, you you really need a genuine uh, love for the sport, some kind of passion to to take you there. Oh, I was gonna mention um, some interviews. Of Gu Ailing's mom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, her videos are all over the internet. <laughs> yeah. And um, her mom said that, you know, Gu Ailing started skiing mm. because uh, she loved skiing. She, uh, like, I mean, her mom, she was actually um, yeah, a coach. Uh, a I, I read, trainer yeah. or a coach, skiing, ski coach. Yeah, it was not her job. That's something she loved to do. And uh, she took her daughter skiing when she was three. 
And it turned out that her daughter <laughs> did it so much better. <laughs> and but she said, you know, I never thought I never felt like I was giving my daughter anything. I always felt like it was her daughter who mm-hmm. um, accompanied her, you know, so that they could enjoy the sport together. But of course, she's been so dedicated to uh, making sure that her daughter has the practice, the training, everything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think I saw an article that um, I don't know if this is accurate. Like by the time she, the, her daughter became a professional, mm-hmm. they've um, spent at least a million dollars. Wow! You know, just on doing the sport. Wow! So it it takes everything. Yeah. It, it just takes everything. Yeah. You know, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the changes in sportsmanship in China, because, you know, even 10 years ago, I arrived, you know, there were kids doing lots and lots of sports, Mm -hmm. but it seemed like as a teacher, I was seeing a lot increase uh, in my students over that period of time from academic topics to sports even basic things like swimming and basketball and just mm. all kinds of things became more and more popular. And also, baby, you and I have talked several times about the double reduction policy. One aspect of that mm. is an increase, an uptick in schools offering sports activities. So I guess where I want to go, where I'm hoping we can direct the conversation is maybe a little away from force, not force. And maybe we could talk a little bit about is the the athleticism of the next generation that's going to be a Arriving in its, you know, young adulthood in the next five to 10 years going to be even more athletic than this generation, which is obviously really successful if you look at the Olympics. Well, I definitely hope so. And I want to talk a little bit, share a little bit of uh, what's going through my mind recently. Mm. So my daughter, she's seven and um, uh, we're not crazy about, you know, grades and that kind of stuff. And first of all, she's a first grader Mm -hmm. and they don't Mm -hmm. even have Mm -hmm. tests. Mm -hmm until like probably third grade, second or third grade. Mm, mm, mm. And but something I notice in my daughter and other kids of her age is that for people who for kids who grew up in comfort, you know, she's had ev- more than she needs material wise and also whatever uh, classes she's interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all good. But then I realized that she doesn't know what it is like to in Chinese, we say chuku. Chuku means to eat bitterness. That's a literal mm, literal yep. translation of going through something difficult and learn to deal with challenges and difficulties. Yeah. For example, you know, mm. Morris, you mentioned how, you know, your son maybe hasn't been able to stick with something for a long period of time. But that's normal. You know, that's normal for kids. Yep. My daughter goes into, you know, skiing, but who knows? Next time she'll maybe think it's too hard or I get too tired. It's, it's too repetitive. Um. <laughs> and that's, you know, they, they don't have an idea mm-hmm. that when you mm-hmm. want to become good at something, not just for play, that takes dedication. Mm-hmm. And um, also just general yeah. habits, yeah. you know, going to bed early, getting up early and eating right and doing the right thing. So I've been struggling to find a way to help my daughter realize that, you know, in this life, you're not just going to be doing things you love to do or you're not going to be just doing things that make you happy. There will be things that you need to do that will not make you happy in the short term. But I have trouble finding something to realize mm. that, to make her realize that. And finally, I, I think mm. I, I've arrived at one point. My solution is that I will uh, sports, basically. And, and the worst part, <laughs> the worst part is she's not going to be jumping 
doing the jump ropes. She's not going to be jogging on her own. Okay. Someone will have to do this mm. with her. And guess who that someone mm -hmm. is going to be? <laughs> Me. You? Oh, you can get a coach, baby. But, you know, there's for... some great basketball coaches in Beijing. <laughs> yeah. All the, yeah. The way AI is developing, maybe in a few years, you can well, buy a robot. <laughs> hopefully. But for now, I think that, that burden, well, I consider it a burden, but I think it's a good thing. So recently, I've started jogging with my daughter. For wow. me, someone who does not even like to leave my seat <laughs> because I see no other way of of making myself, making my daughter do something difficult. Yeah. How do I find something difficult and make her stick to it? I, I can't hold up a whip, you know, and force her to play the piano, <laughs> but I can I can jog with her. We'll start from one <laughs> or two kilometers and go from there. And so it's a it's a huge thing for me. Gosh, you know, the last thing I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> but, but your husband he went skiing with your daughter right he he was skiing too yeah, yeah. but that you know it's not dependable let's say <laughs> if i want this to uh, happen regularly yeah, right yeah. if i want to for literally forcing my daughter to get used to doing something that's uncomfortable mm. but will make her stronger will develop her character will strengthen her her body her heart everything you know, sports basically sums it up. That's just, that's the best choice. Yep, I, and I, I will have to be the one I, I, to do it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with, with what they just mm. said. Yeah. But part of the issue here is that kids these days, there seems to be this uh, culture of uh, instant gratification, mm. right? So right. Yeah. when yeah. when we were young, you know, if you, for example, you, you, you take a picture right you've got to send it off to be processed nowadays you take <laughs> right. a picture and you can see the result right away right, right? Mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I, I i think yeah my own experience is it is actually very similar to to yours when when my boy wanted uh, went with a mom to the muay thai classes mm. right mm. he is all interested in in the sparring mm. but he's not interested in the in the basic training right, right? The, the forms and and stuff like that and of course he doesn't get very good right right i think we've gone through that that little hurdle now he's actually starting to to really enjoy it and, and put in the work mm -hmm. and like you baby yeah if mm -hmm. it's gonna do him good i have no problem taking up a, a, a whip <laughs> not not literally, <laughs> not literally not literally but yeah 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 right. but but I'm as a parent the the biggest difficulty is I, I'm never going to force my, my kid into doing something that he doesn't like, right? Mm. But then with this culture of, uh, of instant gratification and so on, with kids being what they are, sometimes there's a lot of resistance, yeah? Some mm -hmm. inertia just to get them to go downstairs and ride their right. bike, stuff like that. So, so as a parent, for me, one of the greatest difficulty is to tell whether he genuinely isn't interested in a particular activity or is he just 
being, you know, for want of a better word, lazy, that he just doesn't, doesn't want to mm. get out of the house or, or get changed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's the difficult part because if I'm convinced that he's actually interested in an activity, I, I have no problem putting pressure on him to make him do mm -hmm. it on a regular basis. The premise is that I have to be convinced that he's genuinely interested in it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a very difficult decision. It's, it takes time because, mm -hmm. you know, what does he know about tennis? Mm -hmm. Or what does he know about the other sport you mentioned? Yep. Until he actually has spent enough time to get to know it, right? So the beginning phase is very, very yeah, important. Yeah, but then that, that's a catch-22, right. right? If you, if you don't spend some time on it, you're never going to get to a point where right. you can so, enjoy it, right? And therefore, you don't enjoy it, you don't put in the time, you never get to the point you enjoy it. Right, mm -hmm. and back to... Yeah, that, that's the difficult part. Uh, back to forcing your child, like Jason, uh, at the beginning of the conversation... So, for example, me taking my daughter jogging, she mm -hmm. doesn't want to go. It's boring. But, <laughs> I, you know, I try all kinds of ways. And I haven't yelled at her for this yet because the solution I found was that I will do it. <laughs> Why don't you accompany me? You know, let's, let's go together. Mm -hmm. And uh, other, all, all kinds of other tricks I use. But if I have to, if I have to yell at her for, to, to, to do this, mm -hmm. I will. Because I think it's up at the point where she needs to do something mm. difficult and do it, you know, uh, to be able to sustain this. Otherwise, she's not going to, uh, well, I want her to be healthy. And that takes exercise. And also just the, um, mm -hmm. the idea that it takes consistent and persistent effort to achieve your goals. It's not just going to happen. And whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. in, in, in that sense, I think I will have to force her, not with a whip, not yet, but um, <laughs> we'll see. I, I can talk more about this. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I'm going to try to say something that sounds parental. But so if you guys can want to uh, beat me down after I'm finished, go for it. Mm -hmm. But it seems to me like in America that a lot of parents, what they will do is like um, pick a card, any kind, kind of strategy. So what I mean by that is they'll take their child hiking. Mm -hmm. Okay. They don't like hiking. They'll, then they'll take their child skiing. Okay. Maybe they don't like skiing. They'll then take their child. And the, what they'll do is expose their children to like a broad range of potential activities that the child might be want to engage in. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully one or two of those will stick out and then the child will end up uh, appreciating that. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I, I also want to talk about me. When I was a child, like uh, 12 or 13, I was a butterball kind of child. What does that mean? And my mom was uh, fat, very fat, <laughs> quite retired. And I was a fat little boy. Yeah. So <laughs> so my mom, one day, we I think I talked about this briefly, but I want to talk about my cousin a little bit. So I'm going to get around to that. My mom brought me to my grandmother's with a whole family. I thought, oh, this is nice. And then at the end of the weekend, my mom said, you're going to stay here. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And then I, I I was just sort of duped into staying at my grandmother's and they had me stay there for the entire summer. This is my mom's mom. It's not the grandmother I'm used to hanging out with usually. Mm -hmm. But what ended up happening is I guess they convinced my cousin who had used, he used to be in the Air Force. He was quite a disciplined guy. Mm -hmm. He came by every day in the morning and said, Jason, wake up. And I was like, what? The first time I was like, what's going on? It's early. The sun has just only just come up. And so anyways, he he got me out of bed and made me go hiking in this canyon mm. with him against my mm -hmm. will every single day, like for the whole summer, basically. 
you know, at, at the first month, I was like, I, don't, I had to get out there a couple of kilometers. I don't want to go any further, Lauren. Don't make me walk anymore. And he's come on. And he just keep going. Right. And if, if he went far enough, I, th- I would be like, I'm in this canyon alone. So I'd catch up with him, you know. I don't want to be trapped Watch in this the hiatus. canyon alone. <laughs> Anyways, you know, I did that the whole summer. And when I ended up growing up, one of my favorite activities to this day now is going hiking. See? Like, so mm. at the time, it was torturous and awful but then like having grown up like my wife says oh where do you want to go on vacation and I'm like let's go to this mountain x y or z and go hiking and so you know she wants she always wants to go to the beach I always want to go to a mountain and I think it it was a deliberate like you know you I could trace the origin of my desire to enjoy hiking now as an adult to this time when I was basically forced to do so yeah so I think you know keep making your daughter run she may she might grow up and love running it's actually making myself yeah your your story actually actually helped illustrate the point i i I raised earlier right Mm. so do you think that you you are naturally interested in hiking and your cousin over that summer kind of uh uh it was an awakening of your of your latent interest, <laughs> no. or, or did you become no. interested in hiking because he forced you to do it every day? And and for me, that's the the most difficult decision to make. Should I force mm-hmm. my son mm-hmm. into something, or should I, you know, like you said earlier, expose him to mm-hmm. all the various mm-hmm. stuff to see which one he's interested in? Yeah, that that that's a mm-hmm. very very difficult. Decision. For me, actually, you know. I- People like doing what they're good at, I think, a lot of the time, right? If, you, if you're if you really good at chess, you might want to play because you might, you know, might win. I think I really like hiking because I'm really good at hiking now. And the reason is uh, my legs got really strong from that summer, you know? So there's another article mm-hmm. that uh, we read, and it's called China's Goal of Engaging 300 Million People in Winter Sports Achieved. Mm-hmm. And so this came out in middle of January, uh, Xinhua News, and it talks about, you know, one of the goals, firstly, I want to put give some context to this article, that China set up when they applied to be the Olympic city for 2022 for the Winter Olympics is that they would engage their own population to increase their interest in winter sports. So the Olympic Committee was like, yes, this China has a huge population. This would be a great way to increase global interest in winter sports. Mm. And China succeeded in getting, uh, according to this article, it says 300 million, but I read another article that said 346 million. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a roughly 35 or 40% of the entire population of China between the ages of 18 and 30 mm. start started engaging in winter sports at this time. So look at the amazing ability of Chinese athletes in this Winter Olympics. You can see a lot of different stars were there. You pointed out, Bebe, earlier that mostly these winter sports were popular mm-hmm. in Dongbei in the Northeast. And the rest of China didn't have a historical great interest in these sports. Imagine where China's going to be in 10 or 15 years Mm. when the next generation of kids with like hundreds of millions more people interested in winter sports, how successful China is going to be at the international level competing or just practicing these kinds of sports. I think it could be, you know, a night and day kind of change. Speaking of my own observation, so uh, we went skiing yesterday and the week before last Friday, we took our daughter to, it's like a shopping place, but they had this outside rink, skating rink. It, it was a fountain um, in the summertime. 
but in the winter it turns、mm. into an ice rink. And then there is an indoor, bigger, more professional rink in inside the mall. And、uh, at the beginning, we thought, okay, you know, and it was like the rink was、mm-hmm. full of kids, full of little kids skiing, some、uh, skating, some of them I think they were like two or three years old, very little, and just gliding、mm. as if it's effortless. And、uh, my daughter, we like I took her to some skating class two years ago, and then you know it was the pandemic and kind of closed down. So she had about like、mm. what six lessons,、um, and she wasn't even paying attention. But it, it turned out she remembers,、um, you know, those training. And we put her on the rink. She wanted to try because all the other kids did. And we put her there. We thought, okay, she's gonna fall. She's gonna,、mm. you know, have a hard time. But she just went. <laughs> she just glided, and she just started flying on the ice. My husband and I were like, "Whoa!" <laughs> because we were really shocked. You know, seconds ago we were marveling at how other little kids could do this. Can you imagine little kids skating、mm, mm, like that?、Mm. And the next minute, our own daughter <laughs> flying away. Just she just went. And and the you know if you look at the um the participants and all the other kids. You would think that everybody、mm, in China skates.、Mm. There's so many little kids skating from such a young age. And then at the、uh, at the skiing place last night, the place was、mm-hmm. full. Like until ten, it closed at ten, and that's when、mm, we mm. went off the hill. And it、wow. was pretty、uh, full of people.、Um, I'm not too sure what the situation was like a year before before the Winter Olympics, but I think the Winter Olympics definitely,、mm-hmm. definitely. Uh, woke people up to the to this wonderful new option. Hey, we could do sports in the winter too.、Mm-hmm. And also imagine、uh, grandparents. <laughs> you know, before the Winter Olympics, a lot of grandparents. If you tell them that, oh, I'm gonna take my, you know, our boy skating or skiing, a lot of parents would go like, "It's cold outside. He might get his legs broken." <laughs> and、uh, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> seeing all the possible bad things that could happen. Why not stay home, warm and cozy? I'll make dumplings. But after the Winter Olympics, you know, pa- grandparents would have new ideas of what skiing and skating and other other wonderful sports are about. You know, yeah, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your grandson could、perception. become the next gold medalist in the next Winter Olympics. Well, go, go, go! <laughs> Better get on early. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting. We're talking about the future.、Uh, maybe have more people interested in sports, and Morris is talking about the past.、Mm-hmm. When I first arrived in、uh, China in 2012, I moved to where near where Morris is living, and they have a mall there, Qingnian Lu Daiyuecheng or Joy City.、Oh. At that time, it was only about half full of shops. It was relatively new mall and had only just opened.、Mm-hmm. And one thing I noticed when I went there, because it was the thing that was nearby my home, was that they had a huge ice rink.、Mm-hmm. And I, w- I remember being surprised because in San Francisco, where I'm from, there is one big ice rink in the city that everyone goes to, near Embarcadero Station. And I was like, "Wow, this place has one too." But like a couple months later, I went to a different mall in another part of the city, like Majapahit or something, and I was like. Oh, they have an ice rink too.、Mm. And then I went to another mall and like another, and I was like, "Wow, there's an ice rink here." And what I noticed <laughs> was that there were like I don't know dozens of ice rinks all over Beijing. You know,、mm. San Francisco has a considerably smaller population. Even so, Beijing had 
just an enormous amount of ice rinks all over the city. So, you know, talking about like maybe skiing or snowboarding or more exotic sports like are like relatively newer to some people in China. It seems like some ice skating stuff, it has a very long and strong hold in China based on my own personal experience. I think you're right because it wasn't until... Uh, I was thinking about taking my daughter there that I noticed that there is a professional ice hockey place like five minutes from where I live. Wow. And they had I went there and there were two like full ice rinks, one for skiing, one for ice wow. hockey. Wow, two different And then ones. it was last. Uh, and, and also I discovered that close to where I used to work, there is an ice rink like right across the road. I did mm. not know this until, you know, I started taking my thinking about taking my daughter to do these things. And also it turned out that the uh, skiing place is just like 20 minutes away. <laughs> I, <laughs> they have always been there. I just did not know. Yeah. So I think there are all these facilities available. Mm. Yeah. Well, mm. if you're surprised about uh, the number of ice rinks in, in, in Beijing, then maybe you'd be even more surprised to hear that, uh, as far as I know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but these are the ones that I know exist. There are at least two mm -hmm. big ice rinks in, 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 within a mall in Hong Kong, where, you know, oh, it never mm -hmm. drops below like seven eight degrees oh yeah it's in, in hot the winter. in Hong Kong, yeah huh? you yeah. guys are equatorial yeah i'm pretty sure there are more than just the two but i i i i've actually been to those two i i i, I can't skate to, to save my life but uh, i i know where they are so and and the other thing is uh you know the, the the winter olympics and and the chinese society being more affluent definitely helps with promoting uh, mm. uh winter sports but mm. uh, uh recounting from personal experience uh the first time my my now wife but at the time my girlfriend went mm. skiing in beijing was back in like 2004 yeah mm. i had some friends mm. uh, who came over from canada you know, so so they they are very very uh, uh, familiar with with winter sports, and mm. uh, they found out that uh, you know in uh, Yanqing or somewhere in, in in the outskirts of Beijing there was this ski slope. And um, one afternoon mm. when when I was at work, yeah, my my friends took my then girlfriend out skiing. So so this was back in like two thousand four. So mm. so it. It, it's definitely not a new thing, but then, yeah, mm -hmm. it probably wasn't anywhere nearly as popular as it is now. Yeah, so so I mm. think there's a history of of uh, winter mm. sports in at least in northern China. Right, and also mm. I I want to talk a little bit about double reduction because mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. things are going in a, a right direction. Um, because back in the day when you know studying. Right, getting good grades on math and English and all the other things were so important. Uh, that's where people, parents, channeled their energy. But these, um, you know, I think they make kids more competitive in a way that's individualistic. You know, I want to um, get a better score so that I can get the spot in college and other people can't. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it's not really the value that we promote as a society. But that's how the uh, Gaokao system, you know, college entrance system is set up. Nowadays, you know, um, when I talk with other moms, 
he's like, yeah, you know, I, I don't feel the pressure to uh, make sure that my kids get all these uh, math classes or uh, English classes. And now we're looking at other options, arts or, you know, sports. And when it comes to sports, they're a lot more teamwork, mm. right? Um, of course, you see people going after gold medal, but a lot of the other sports offer um, opportunities for kids to learn how to work in mm -hmm, a team, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, to, you know, to shoulder responsibilities for a common goal. And I think that's that's wonderful. Yeah. That's a wonderful change. Yeah. So in many ways, and also kids, um, they need to be physically stronger. You were saying earlier, uh, talking about your daughter, uh, thinking she's the center of the world. One of the things that I learn as a teacher is like mm. different ages, what kind of like psychological profile children generally have inside the you know center of the bell curve. Right. And children, especially when they're younger than like four, like three, they literally mm. think they are the center of the world. Like their, <laughs> their idea that other people are conscious is not something that's formulated fully yet. Mm. So like you're talking about the development of team sports. I mean, that's such an important aspect of growing up, mm. like, you know, all ages of being a child, because a lot of people want to be showboats at like a basketball or whatever, and just try to slam mm. dunk their, themselves or shoot themselves. And that's not what's best for the team. Oftentimes it involves moving around with other people, communicating right. with other people, and being part of a team in order to be successful. And if you can't do that, your team is not going to be successful. And that's mm -hmm. that's a critical lesson Ex to learn. Exactly. Yeah, um, I, I couldn't agree more. So th this mm. has nothing to do with the topic of this chat. But uh, my, one of the sports that I really want want my boy to get involved with is, is rugby. Oh. Yeah, because it, it's a team sport and there are very few individual rugby stars in the world. It really is a team effort. Mm. But unfortunately, my wife thinks it's too dangerous. Dangerous. She has some misconception about rugby. <laughs> but the, I don't know about misconception. Aren't there a lot of spinal injuries in that sport? There's some, but I think it's actually, <laughs> I, I, I'm no expert, but I think it's actually quite a bit safer than American football. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the pretty much the worst sport. I, I apologize to our listeners who heard me say that. When it comes to injuries. When like, it comes to injuries. It is so injury prone. And there's a movie with Will Smith called Concussion. After I watched that movie, I was like, I would never let my kids play that sport. <laughs> <laughs> Can you, even even if he's bubble, bubble wrapped. <laughs> yeah. No bubble wrap can persist. Because apparently the helmet are just like for show really mm. they're for external injuries but even you know all those tackles over and over again can really do long-term serious damage to one's brain yeah all three of my younger brothers were rugby players and one oh. of them actually had a had a chance to go to the u.s and and cross train with a with an american football team mm. and and according to him mm. it was actually the uh the, the protective gear in american football that that's his personal opinion that causes all the injury because in rugby, mm. you don't have the protective mm. gear. You don't feel invincible. Oh. So you learn to fall properly. You learn mm. to tackle properly. Whereas if you're all decked up in this protective gear, mm. you, you think you're protected when, when you're not really. Like you said, we're off topic, but I want to tell a story. <laughs> I have, uh, I used to work in a big company in Beijing and there were two people that were other managers. There were six total managers at my level and there were uh, the, all foreigners. And 
all of them except me and one other person did not play a football, you know, international football, what Americans would call soccer. Oh, but soccer. like mm. these two gentlemen play all the time. One of them went down about four years ago and broke his clavicle. What is and that? And then like, uh, I think it was just this last uh, clavicle is the bone up, uh, under your neck oh. that connects to your shoulder. And then oh. literally this last summer, the other one of these two gentlemen went down and broke his clavicle. Oh, so I'm like, I'm not saying don't play international football or soccer or whatever, or you people can do whatever they want, but you know, full contact sports are a lot more dangerous than like tennis, for example. Mm. Wait, but soccer? <laughs> You're talking about soccer or American football? I'm talking about soccer, Talk soccer, about you soccer. Don't even bump yeah. Into other people. No, people, people do. They take each other down. If you watch the games, they, oh. they're not supposed to, but they run into mm -hmm. each other or they trip over each other and they fall down at different weird angles and stuff. I see. It is it. It can be quite dangerous, also. And the, and then they get this look from Jason. Told you. <laughs> yeah. <that's> <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually. One of their wives was, I saw her on WeChat playing the same exact sport late, later. And I was like, watch out for your clavicle. <laughs> Rubbing it in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, at some point you mentioned about the future of um, winter sports or just mm, sports mm, in general yeah. in China. Mm -hmm. And I think I am um, very optimistic when it comes to this, because uh, from my uh, understanding and observation, mm, when mm. the Chinese people put their mind on something mm. like when they decided to do something it's like they will achieve very very good results mm, mm, mm. and when chinese parents make up yeah. their mind that oh you know maybe my son or daughter can become pretty good at winter this or that winter sports mm. they will be mm. very devoted and um so i, I think they're, they're a great prospect not that that's the that's the goal because i think sports they are enjoyment a way yeah, to enjoy yeah. life too yeah, I think it's a it's a good way. I want to add something mathematical to that, actually. Yep. Um, in this article, it says 346 million people. So uh, that's the people engaged in sports in China, in winter sports in China. Mm -hmm. The population of the U.S. is 323 million. Mm -hmm. So the, <laughs> the, the amount of people interested in participating in winter sports <laughs> in China outweighs the actual population of the United States. So even if every American was into winter sports with their, which they're not, mm -hmm. China would still have a far <laughs> bigger pool. <laughs> yeah, far bigger pool of talent. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's an advantage of being an enormous uh, country <laughs> with an enormous population. Um, I mean, it has its problems too, right? It's harder to manage. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. in this aspect, we do have a greater pool to find <laughs> talents. And once the parents and the athletes themselves put in um all you know put in all their efforts it's going to be yep, huge yep. So. and also the because of big population the commercial aspect right mm, it's mm, worth mm. going going oh, into business yeah. Yeah, yeah, providing yeah. ski resorts yeah. and and in turn that will make it easier uh, uh more accessible for, for for normal people and and you know it just kind of snowball that way i think we mm. talked about this jason some like months ago maybe that mm -hmm. sports, winter sports, is actually a huge potential market in China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it exists, but it's, it's, there's huge potential. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if they're already right now, uh, 654 ice rinks, and uh, that's double what was in 2015, and there are 803 out 
outdoor ski resorts. Imagine how many, because the Winter Olympics were so successful all around mm. the world, mm. imagine how many more ski resorts and ice rinks there'll be like in a few years. But you know, I, I'm sorry. It's a great pleasure speaking with you, Morris and Bebe, but we're out of time. Again. <laughs> I, I really enjoy having Morris, Morris it's uh, always on the a show. Great time just flies, yeah, right? It's just time just flies by. <laughs> oh, like I said before, the pleasure is all mine. Yeah, it's really great fun talking to you guys. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Morris. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.